0: Welcome to the Mastervice Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. Today is June 1st. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by our guest co-host for the week, Executive Editor Chris Newmarker. Today we'll talk about iRhythm's announcement that it received an FDA warning letter over some of its quality systems, Massimo Management's battle with an activist investor, and some breakthrough news from Cardio Renal, Establishment Labs, and Exact Tech. First of all, how are you doing today, Chris? We have some interesting news on the docket today.
1: Yeah, it's been a, a pretty good, a uh, pretty good news day. Well, I, I should actually say it isn't like a pretty good news day. I mean, like there's some tough news for some companies, but definitely, definitely a big news day.
0: Well, let's just jump right into it. What's the first thing that we should know to start our day today?
1: You know, the the first thing to report is that uh, Exactech, you know, announced uh, the global release of their uh, next generation uh, Exactech GPS shoulder surgery navigation software. Uh, They're going to be releasing it at the uh, annual Shoulders Masters Course in Amsterdam later this week, and you know, this uh, this follows their uh, U.S. launch of the V two point two software.
0: Nice. And where is this launch taking place and kind of what does it follow as well?
1: I mean, it's really, you know, taking place across the uh, eastern hemisphere of the of the planet. I mean, they were talking about EMEA and APAC uh, countries. Uh, they they had their first surgery um, in the United Arab Emirates uh, earlier this month, leveraging their active intelligence suite, which uh, uses tech GPS and uh, their Equinox uh, planning app.
0: Interesting. And what is included in this release?
1: Well, when they did the US release uh, last week, it uh, included a new web upload feature that uh, enables surgeons and hospital staff to upload shoulder CT scans for reconstruction through the web and then, you know, for this uh, EMEA and APAC release, they've got uh, upgrades to the user's user interface, visualization tools, additional views. They've got verification of final implant placement for reverse and anatomic shoulder, shoulder procedures. They've got integration with Xactex Ergo shoulder instrumentation, and then they got wireless transmissions of uh, case reports, uh, including screenshots of, of steps and final implant uh, placements. So it looks like just a, a lot, like a kind of a whole host of improvements to the software for this next-gen version.
0: Definitely. It sounds like it underscores Exact techs commitment to innovation and advancing orthopedic technologies. It sounds like this could generate significant interest among orthopedic surgeons worldwide. What do doctors think about this technology so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, they had a quote from the um, British uh, surgeon based in the UAE who uh, did the, uh, you know, the, the surgery. And uh, Dr. Venkaswamy was, uh, you know, saying that, okay, well, the, the human eye allows implant placement by experienced surgeons to be within three to five millimeters. But with this GPS technology, um, they can get within, you know, one to two millimeters, you know, possibly. So just like really uh, reducing, you know, margin of uh, error in these procedures.
0: Awesome. And optimizing patient care at the same time, it sounds like. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: So what's the next thing we need to know to start our day?
1: Hey, well, the next thing is uh, we've got Establishment Labs uh, winning a CE mark for uh, minimally invasive surgical tools. Uh, The uh, CE mark approval is for its uh, Motiva injector, Motiva inflatable balloon, and uh, Motiva channel dissector.
0: So what are those tools designed for?
1: Uh, You know, these are like next generation tools for minimally invasive aesthetic procedures.
0: All right. What does the CE mark mean for the company?
1: You know, the uh, company CEO said this was like an important step. They, they described it as an important step in the evolution of plastic uh, surgery. And the quotation was that, you know, that uh, that you had in the, this article was that uh, innovations that improve both the experience and outcome of a medical procedure can expand markets. And, you know, they, um, you know, they, they think that these, this this new minimally invasive technology platform can help change perceptions and overcome reservations, you know, opening up these procedures to women who might might. might not consider a traditional surgery.
0: Mm, And it sounds like it can also help introduce these innovative surgical tools to the European market and give even more surgeons the advanced options for these improved patient outcomes and faster recovery times. That being said, what do surgeons think of these tools?
1: Oh, well, I mean, they had a quote from a uh, you know a plastic surgeon based in London Dude. who thought that these uh, you know tools will provide new capabilities that allow procedures to be performed more safely and and predictably, and you know and that these could result in better outcomes for patients.
0: And I'm sure executives are excited about this milestone as well.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, it's it's uh, it's a big deal to get the C mark. I mean, you know, I mean, Europe is like is one of the largest markets for medical devices in the world. So, and, and it's it's interesting too, because it used to be that um, you know, about ten years ago, like uh, you know, you, you saw like companies getting into Europe first and then the United States. So that's uh, that's actually like uh, you know, been you know the opposite in, in recent years. Is you know, Europe's kind of been tightening its regulations. Well. FDA try to find ways to work with the industry, so so that's actually kind of interesting about this story that you know they actually are doing this first in Europe. They they have it undergoing a clinical investigation going on in the U.S.
0: Interesting and good point. On to some other news.
1: Yeah, we have a uh, we have CardioRenal receiving FDA breakthrough designation for uh, for its Tenor at home blood potassium uh, measuring device. So this you know. You know, help, helps, uh, you helps know, smooth the way for, uh, you know, more uh, trials with this device.
0: And what is Tenor?
1: You know, it's a connected medical device It combines like all these, you know, different technologies to assist patients with uh, chronic illnesses, including chronic kidney disease, to, to measure the blood potassium levels. They can do this from the uh, comfort of their homes.
0: So obviously breakthrough designations recognize the potential of devices to address an unmet medical need and improve patient outcomes overall. Why is this breakthrough designation important?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just—I mean, it's—it's it, it's FDA, you know, kind of like signaling that this, you know, this—this is—it's trying to like, you know, smooth the way because this obviously could be a, a breakthrough technology, you know, and in, in, you know, in treating uh, you know health conditions, and and so this designation gives you know cardiorenal renal priority review. Uh, they get more you know interactive communication, you know. Uh, you know, with the FDA's experts and senior managers, you know, to help kind of smooth, you know, assist, you know, the way, you know, their way, their path to commercialization in, in, the, in the United States.
0: And are executives at the company excited about this designation? I I can totally imagine. So
1: yeah, I mean the uh you know I mean the quote from uh, the, from their CEO in the article describes this as like an exciting opportunity to to again demonstrate the benefits of this of this technology. I mean um this is another article that you had up on on Mass Device. You, you noted here that I mean there's like 843 million people living with chronic kidney disease, and you know they frequently, Curry Renal was describing how they you know frequently have fluct. Blood potassium levels, um, and you know, and and so you know, being being able to track these levels and better you know control their potassium levels from home, you know, that could that could be a real benefit for you know for for people with those conditions
0: definitely convenience and being able to manage your health care from home is also I I've talked about it before on the podcast It's just part of this healthcare equity it opens up avenues for people who live in rural areas and may not be able to easily access a hospital on a whim so
1: yeah exactly I mean we we both live in cities so you know if, if there's health conditions we need checked out I mean you know it's not not that far of a drive to get to a clinic but I mean you know I I know I know we also both have relatives who you know, live in more rural areas, and, and yeah, you need. You know, it's it's not, it's not nothing to have to go to a clinic. You know, so you know, you know, being able to check more of the stuff at home is it's a big deal.
0: Agreed. Now let's move on to some legal news and some of the more interesting news that we hinted on earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, we got a proxy, you know, the proxy fight going on, you know, at at Massimo Medical Design Outsourcing. Managing editor Jim Hammeran, you know, pitched in here, you know, and you know, wrote wrote an article about, uh, you know, dueling news releases from, uh, you know, from Apolitan Capital Management and the, you know, the management of Massimo over these, you know, two two board seats that they're, you know, they're they're dueling over, and you know, basically, um, we had a you know managing partner. Chief Investment Officer at uh, at Politon, you know, calling for greater oversight in the boardroom to help Massimo realize its full potential. While, well, and then Massimo's management team, uh, led by uh, you know CEO Joe Keani, they're they're defending their record, saying, "Hey, we delivered strong returns for investors through sustained profitable above market growth." So, I mean, it'll just be interesting to see how this all all shakes out. Like when it, when you know the uh, annual meeting, you know, company's annual shareholders meeting comes comes up on uh, June twenty sixth.
0: So who is the activist investor supporting for the board director nominees instead of, you know, Massimo's incumbents, Michael Cohen and Julie Shimmer?
1: Uh, We've got Politon's managing partner and chief investment officer, uh, Quentin Coffey. And uh, on top of that, they have Michelle Brennan, who's... Uh, you know, a 32-year Johnson Johnson veteran, you know, she retired as global value creation leader in uh, in, in 2020. So, I mean, so that's, that's a pretty impressive candidate to put up.
0: Yeah, it sounds like this engagement between the two kind of demonstrates the complexities involved in balancing shareholder interests and corporate strategies. And it also kind of underscores the importance of effective communication and transparency and maintaining those investor confidences and trust overall.
1: Exactly. It could it could be tricky, and you know we have seen more more shareholder activism, you know, going on in in recent years, especially uh, you know since the pandemic. I mean, it's there's there's um there's definitely less of a willingness just to rubber stamp whatever a, a company's management is doing.
0: Definitely, and I'm sure Jim will be closely monitoring this, and we'll obviously keep all of our listeners updated as we hear more about it. So what's the last thing we need to know for the day?
1: Oh gosh, we have some tough news for uh for iRhythm. Uh they had a uh, SEC filing where they uh they you know, they uh, said that they've received a they received a warning letter on uh May 25th. Um, they said that this this resulted from an FDA inspection at their uh, Cypress, California facility that that uh you know was was le- near the end of last summer and uh you know the the warning letter is is alleging that iRhythm wasn't conforming to, to, you know, medical device reporting requirements, you know, related to their uh, ZO, AT, wearable and medical device quality system requirements.
0: And what was iRhythm's response to that warning letter?
1: Oh, I mean, they're saying they're taking it very seriously, you know, that they intend to respond. And, you know, they said that there already was a uh, Form eight. 83 that they were working off of and, you know, looking to address what the FDA was pointing out. They're going to be um, doing even more now that, you know, they've you know, received a, a warning letter based off that, those 483 observations from the inspection.
0: Kind of sounds like this highlights the importance of robust quality control measures in the medical device industry and serves as a reminder for the regulatory requirements and responsibilities that companies must uphold to ensure patient safety and product efficacy. This comes a few weeks after its earning report, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. They had their earnings report. The earnings report, you know, they were disclosing at that time that they had their third subpoena in more than two years from federal investigators. And it's worth noting that they, they haven't there hasn't been any disclosure on the nature or the time timing of You know the inquiry. What's like going on with that? And you know, to be fair to them, companies get investigated all the time for different things, and then nothing nothing comes of it. But you know, it's definitely kind of like another. I mean, at the time of that earnings report, you know, the analysts were raising some you know questions about that, even though they were saying otherwise that they you know thought that those quarterly results were you know positive. And you know, I'm I I suspect that you know this uh, this disclosure of a of a warning letter is you know probably could could cause even more questions to be raised.
0: Definitely, it emphasizes the ongoing vigilance required to ensure compliance with regulatory requirements as well. So,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, and we've we've both spoken with a lot of regulatory experts inside of outside of companies over the years. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's, uh, you know it, these are a lot of requirements. It's not it's not easy. It's a it's a lot of work to like you know follow these. So, um, you know, here's uh, here's hoping that they can get this uh, get this resolved soon.
0: Definitely. That's all we have for today. Thanks again for joining as my guest co-host for the week. Hope you're having fun and with everything. Yeah, we'll
1: keep on chugging through the news this week and if you want to, you know, find out more about, you know, what's going on in the meditech industry, you know, head over to MassDevice.com and, you know, check out more of our articles.
0: And you can check out the show notes at slash podcast And please connect with us online. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, and the same name on LinkedIn. Where can our listeners find you, Chris? Hey, you can find me
1: on uh, LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker.
0: Subscribe to the Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us Friday for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening.